Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. My guest, David Jakes, is from London, England. He started his career at Barclays Bank, in which he specialized in the field of currency and interest rate risk management. He did that job in both London and New York City before relocating to Silicon Valley, California in 1994. There, he worked as treasurer of Silicon Valley Bank. He was the first CFO of PayPal and CFO of various venture capital firms, including the venture arm of Nokia Corp. David loves startups and innovation and has served on the boards of public and private companies in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Australia. David is the board chair of WeDo, and with his current focus in the area of mental health advocacy, WeDo has provided the exact platform for David to do that. And without further ado, I would love to present my guest today. David Jakes is with us. Hi. Hi, Elaine. How are you today? I'm great. It's really good to have you with me. Thank you for joining me so early in the day. Much appreciated. My pleasure and happy to be here and support the work you're doing. It's very important. Well, I thank you very much. And and we actually met through a whole other uh, process. There's a, an incredible app called WeDo, and we will be talking about that a little later. But I think I just would like us to go ahead and jump in. So, David, I'm going to have you just unravel uh, sort of how how we know each other for one and how this is truly your story is relevant to suicide and forgiveness. Sure. So we actually met, I'll um, kind of say, our day jobs. So it was an introduction that I had to Elaine just about a week ago when um, in her role as an an SEO specialist, uh, she was speaking to uh, Kristen, who's the CMO at WeDo. And Kristen said, you have to connect because you have so much in common. And she was absolutely right. We, We were meant to connect. So a little about my background. Um, I'm speaking today from Northern California, Silicon Valley, where I've lived for about the last 25 years. But uh, the accent is not from Silicon Valley. I grew up in London, yeah. England, and uh, started uh, an early career in my professional life banking. I was with Barclays Bank in London and in New York, and then moved to California as I married a native Californian, um, went into startups and venture capital. So. I've had many professional successes that I'm very proud of. And um, I do have somewhat of a reputation. I'm not one of the big players in Silicon Valley, but most of the people that know me see me as a successful finance person in Silicon Valley. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But a lot of the story that people don't know is that I was once a suicidal teenager. 
I believe that my father had bipolar disorder from what I remember about his behavior. He died when I was pretty young. And piecing many things together, I've been battling mental illness for most of my life. I missed a whole year of school. Um, it was first year of high school in England, so it would be about uh, grade six in the US, year seven in the UK, and uh, ended up at a special education school because I was basically very sick and needed to recover. Um, I did manage to recover and get back into the mainstream and build a life and build a career. And I've had a couple of relapses as an adult. Um, the most recent of which was a little under 20 years ago when I had a moment when I looked at my family. I had two young kids. I had a wife. I had a home. Everything in my life seemed right. Everything in my life seemed wonderful, but I was sad. And I even looked at my two beautiful children and I asked myself the question, would they be better off without me? And that triggered something in me that I was not thinking, what would it do to them if I took my own life? I was thinking, maybe I'm so worthless that I have nothing to live for. Yeah. That triggered this light bulb in me that said, you need help. And I got help. That, that alone is so important because oftentimes we don't see the connection between those wrong thoughts, those confusing and sometimes terrifying thoughts, and, and the fact that we actually need help. It's not that we need to be removed from the situation. And we, we often are also so lost in our pain that we can't see that. So first off, I have to say thank thank God for um, you having having the the uh, deep seated knowledge that that was not right, not nor right for you. But the time before that, was it so much you that brought it forward, or did you? Was it those around you that were able to be helpful? I think actually when I look back at my childhood teenage years, um, the thing that really saved me from taking any action on that was the lack of knowledge and the inability to really know what to do because I was so young. The situation I remember uh, I heard lapsed into a very dark spot. I had missed so much school. Um, I say to people that I struggled at school and it's not an uncommon thing to say. Um, people have kids that struggle at school, people themselves struggle at school. That is usually a sense of struggling academically, not being able to keep up with the subject matter, not being able to understand what is going on and, and falling behind academically. I never struggled academically, I struggled socially. I found it very difficult to fit in. I found it huge amount of anxiety in just going to school. Mm -hmm. I was actually diagnosed eventually with a condition not many people know about, but does exist called school phobia, where it's a, a phobia of going to school. And the more school I missed, the worse it became because after missing two weeks of school, it's hard to go back and catch up. After missing a month of school, it's way worse. After missing several months, it was disastrous. 
And the one thing I remember um, having been hospitalized, um, which happened, which would probably not happen today, but I was actually admitted to the hospital and put under psychiatric observation. But before that, the one incident I do remember when I was in a particularly dark place was going on a journey, I think, to visit my grandmother. I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, being on a train with my mother. And as we were on this train going from London out to the suburbs, I looked out the window and I saw a cemetery. And it was a huge, huge cemetery. And I looked and I just thought to myself, wow, if I was dead, I would never have to go back to school. And somehow that feeling was a feeling of reassurance and a feeling of relief that there was a way out. I could relieve myself of this pain. I didn't recognize that I was in pain. I recognized yeah. that I was weird. I was shy. I was incapable. Whatever those adjectives I would have used to describe myself at the time, you know, I was the weird kid. I was overweight. I was the fat kid. So I was bullied. I was um, not physically bullied, but mentally and verbally, I was bullied. And that really exacerbated the whole thing. And so that that feeling that I remember, and I was, I think I was about 11, of that relief of there's a way out. That actually felt good. And I really think it is the fact that I was so young and I didn't have the tools available. I didn't know, I wouldn't know what to do to take my own life. And, um, and my parents, uh, I, I spent a lot of my early adulthood resenting my parents and blaming my parents. And my parents were not perfect by any means. They were not equipped to have a kid with special needs, especially a kid with special emotional needs. And they did the best they could. But what they could do and what they were equipped to do was very little. So it was a little bit of ignore the problem and hope it'll go away. It was a little bit of let's just protect him and, and give him protection and love and hope that he will get better and that he will recover from whatever this is. And uh, it was not until I then uh, was psychiatrically diagnosed and, uh, and I had to get back into school. And having missed a whole year of school, I was uh, then sent to a special education school. Um, these days, kids tend to be mainstreamed if they have problems and you go in maybe, you go in and repeat a year or something like that and just be watched and monitored very carefully. But um, I was sent to a special education school and one of the most liberating things that I remember today and it really sends tingles down my spine was that the headmaster of the school, Mr. Williams, was this very outgoing, very large, former military, former rugby player Welshman with a vibrant personality. And when I went to the school and he showed me, he personally showed me around his school that he was very proud of. And as we went around, he said little things to me. And he said something like, David, you're probably feeling a few butterflies in your tummy right now. This probably feels like you're really nervous. And I said, yeah. And he said, that's okay. That's okay. That's normal. Don't worry about it. That's fine. And it's like for the first time, somebody actually understood what I was feeling, described what I was feeling and told me it was okay because I always thought I was wrong. And so to have somebody tell you, 
what you're feeling is normal. What you're feeling is every kid that's at this school has been through what you've been before, been through now. And that gave me the message, I am not alone. And that feeling of coming out of that isolation of, I am the only person with this problem. And I've talked to many people with mental illness. I um, talked to a friend of mine who uh, had been diagnosed with prostate cancer at a very early age. And he said the same thing. I felt like I was the only man with prostate cancer. I felt so lonely. And that I think is, is part of the problem is we isolate ourselves because we blame ourselves and we don't know where to go. So, so that was really my launching pad for recovery and to getting myself back into wellness was to find myself in a nurturing environment where people understood and teachers were trained. And there was many other kids I realize now with many other special needs. And I was not anything unusual. It was, it was a good place for me to be. Absolutely. And, and thank, thank God that was there. Yes. Because for many children, it's certainly in my generation, um, there, there was no, you didn't talk about anything. And I do mean anything yeah. that was quote unquote, not normal. Um, you had to basically sit on your hands and try and act like everybody else, which in hindsight is pretty funny because everybody else was doing exactly the same thing. You know, we don't come with handbooks. And I think that's really unfortunate. And to go from your state at 11 years of age, where you didn't know how you could end your life, thank God, unfortunately, the children of today have way too much information, but they don't have the tools or the right information to understand those feelings, to understand that we all have them, all humans go through different periods. And that's part and parcel of why I do this podcast is because we, we literally have to take suicide and suicidal ideation out of the cupboard. We have to end the stigma, the shame, the silence. We have to be able to equip even our young children to understand that not all thoughts are good and not they will go away. They're, they're not necessarily there to stay and you are not alone, which yeah, you very powerfully said that. I think that's so important. And Mr. Williams, you said, yes. Yes. we need an awful lot more, Mr. Williams. Absolutely. Because that makes a huge, huge difference. You know, as children, anything that makes us different from, you know, uh, immigrant parents who don't speak the language uh, to you know, having to wear hand-me-down clothes to not having the same backpacks as the other kids. These all become immense issues for a child. And as a teenager, it gets even worse because we are, we are so wrapped up in the immediacy of what's important to us. These, these bundles of hormones and and weirdness, you know, from from 11 to 18. God, that's a wild ride. 
Yeah. And it, we really need to be able to reach out, I believe, to each and every child. Because I honestly believe as much as mental illness does step up a lot of these issues, I think all children at some point will have to deal with bad, weird, uncomfortable thoughts and wishing not to be present. Yes, yeah, and I think a lot of um, a, a lot of the awareness that needs to be out there is the things, particularly in school, that you don't learn from a textbook. Yes, and um, and in fact, uh, I am still in touch with Mr. Williams today. He is deep into retirement with his wife in uh, Rhondda Valley in South Wales, where he was originally from. And I actually made the visit uh, three years ago in 2018. When I was doing some reevaluation of my life and realizing that I have a lot to be thankful for. I have a, a lot of people that have helped me. I have a lot of good things that have happened in my life. I've had some dark times, but I have a lot to be thankful for. And I realized that in all that he did for me back in my younger days, I never actually thanked him for what he did. So we'd sent each other Christmas cards for many years, and that was about the limit of our communication. And uh, it was actually the day that my daughter graduated from high school, and it was triggering all of these thoughts of school in myself. And it was that very morning, all I had was a street address and a landline phone number. And I called the number that I hadn't called in 25 years. And um, Mrs. Williams answered the phone, and I told her who I was. I said, I was one of your husband's pupils from Hyde Farm School. And she remembered me. She remembered who I was. And I didn't know what I was going to be faced with when I made that call. Maybe they moved on. I don't know. And uh, her words were, oh, Gil will be so disappointed he missed your call. He meets his friends in the pub on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, I, I made the arrangement to go and visit. And I went and spent a whole day with them. And uh, we reminisced and told each other funny stories and he told me stuff as an adult that he would not have told a kid as a headmaster right. and some of the funny things that happened, some of the sad things that happened. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, it brought a lot of closure to that period of time. And it, it's almost like somebody recently who had recovered from alcoholism had talked about making amends and anybody that's yes. been through drug and alcohol rehabilitation does talk about that, you know, I hurt people when I was sick with this illness of addiction. And I probably hurt people when I was sick with depression, yeah. not intentionally. I know my, my parents were devastated by the abnormality. They didn't know what to do. My parents have both passed on now, so there's nothing much I can do. But um, I can still look back and reconnect with people um, and also reconnected with a very good friend from those days who I'd not spoken to in decades um, and very much abandoned because I did not feel, I did not want a friend because I didn't have the ability to be with people. I just wanted to be by myself. Right. And, and that's, that's a, another really good point you bring up because often as children, when, when we can't deal with what's going on inside, we distance ourselves from even those who try to befriend us. 
And um, it can be really difficult for people because people eventually give up. They, yes. they don't keep at it. And, and that can be, I think, as devastating as the illness itself. When, when you do truly find yourself alone. Yeah. So we've come to, I think, uh, sort of we'll close the door on, on the illness pieces. And I'd like you to go ahead and talk about, you know, I, I, I find you very modest. Uh, you, not only Barclays Bank, PayPal, there's a lot of things you have done. But you're now in the startup area, and we have mentioned we do. So why not mention a little more about we do? Sure. So startups have been in my history since I moved to Silicon Valley. And uh, yes, I did find in 1999 this little startup that no one had ever heard of called PayPal. And I was one of the early employees there. So very proud to have done something that change the world, change the way that people make payments. I've uh, been involved in many startups and venture capital funds. And I had had a vision for myself that beyond a career in finance, I really wanted to be an advocate for mental health. And this is something I've been thinking and the idea had been brewing for a while. And um, I met a wonderful lady, her name is Indiana Gregg. And she's the founder and CEO of WeDo. And we both met when we were involved as consultants for another company that we were both doing some work for. And uh, the company supported um, mass events, circuses, festivals, concerts. And with COVID, that just got shut down and put on an indefinite hold. So um, that stopped. And right around the beginning of 2020, before the COVID pandemic broke out, um, I found myself in Madrid for a few days for a board meeting and Indy, uh, her name is Indiana, we call her Indy, lives in Valencia in Spain. Okay. And so uh, she knew I was going to be close by and invited me to go and spend a weekend with her, her husband and two puppies and five cats. So um, I went over to spend a weekend with them and we talked about a lot of different things and she mentioned some of the ideas she had about we do. And then about three months later, um, I remember she sent me a text and said, something magical has happened. You have to be involved in this. Are you available for a call? And I, I learned more about WeDo. So, uh, so WeDo is a new app that is going to be launching very soon, September, October of 2021. And in a nutshell, it's going to allow any service provider to be able to communicate with clients, make appointments for an online session, do an online session, record an online session, and take payment for services all in one place. So prior to that, um, anybody who is doing online, which is much more ubiquitous now than it used to be before the pandemic, it could be a yoga instructor, a violin instructor, a personal trainer, and you communicate by WhatsApp or text or email or some other communication to make an appointment, then they would send you to Zoom or to Skype or to one of the other many online video chats to be able to do a session. Then they send you to PayPal or to Venmo or Cash App or one of those places to take payment. This puts everything together in one place so you, you have everything in one umbrella. And the general 
industry that I look at that it supports is health, fitness, and well-being. And so everything came together, whether you believe in the alignment of the planet, serendipity, or what. But this came into my life right at the perfect time because um, one of the first things that uh, Indy wanted to do was to build a library of blogs and podcasts that uh, could be used for a number of different reasons. So I was actually one of the very first interviewees to be interviewed about my time at PayPal, why I left PayPal, what my life was at that time. And the lady that interviewed me left the company soon after, and then Indy came to me and said, well, I think you'd be a great host for the podcast. Would you be a host? I said, yeah, I, I could do that. I think I could do that. Um, what subject matter? She said, anything you like. I said, how about mental health awareness? She said, great. So in that time, um, what I've done uh, in support of WeDo and to help build this, this library of podcasts, I have interviewed 27 people and every single one of them has overcome a major obstacle in their life, whether it is suicide, survival, mental health, depression, anxiety, or a whole breadth of other things, um, cancer survival, surviving bankruptcy, um, dealing with living with epilepsy. I've, I've interviewed people with many, many obstacles in their life that they've had to overcome. So that's become the theme and the platform that I like to provide and present with these podcasts is anything is possible if you believe in yourself. Look at this person that is now a successful entrepreneur and yet he slept rough in bus shelters and had to declare bankruptcy. Look at this person that was diagnosed with epilepsy and is now raising money for epilepsy awareness by paddleboarding in the Pacific Ocean. Um, there are so many things that can be done despite the dark sides of our life and the downside and anybody telling us something we can't do, look at the can do, look at how we can do it and look at what we can do. So uh, as I say, everything just felt into the perfect place at the perfect time. And, um, and so we do is, um, I think is going to be something phenomenal. Um, having lived in Silicon Valley for a couple of decades, I hear this is the next big thing. This is going to be bigger than Facebook. I hear all those words. Um, sometimes I'm skeptical, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, it's got a team that has great integrity and uh, credibility and determination, a very, very strong work hard ethic. And um, I'm proud to be part of the team. And my contribution to that is to talk to people and have people tell their stories. And what I say as a mental health advocate is that I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, therapist, I'm not qualified to diagnose, treat or counsel people. But what I am qualified to do is to tell my story and encourage others to do the same. And for every story that we tell, and for every glimmer of hope that we can give a person, particularly a young person, may that go a long way to helping people overcome their pain and realize you are not alone, you are not isolated, somebody loves you, somebody cares, you can get help, you matter. And that's my message. That's so good. And that's exactly why I wanted you on the show. Because our big thing, for me is when you share your story 
you're able to lighten your burden. And every time someone gets to share, somebody else gets to take in what's being said. Yes. Yeah. And I think this this is a wonderful marriage because the whole concept of we do for me makes sense to me because I'm all about integration, always have been. And as much as I thought it was just my day job that I was integrating, it's in fact everything needs to be integrated because no man or woman is an island. And we are we only have to reach out to find that there is in fact somebody there, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. I thank you so much, David, for coming and sharing your story, and also so that you can, you and I could get to talk a little bit about We Do. Notice it says get we do dot today below us, and you can go there today and sign up for the beta and get involved and look forward to all the goodness that is coming with the We Do app. I'm really excited about it as well. So thank you so much, David. It's been my pleasure, Elaine. I'm so glad uh, we got to connect. I didn't even know you existed a week ago. And by that introduction that I had, and, and we connected just a few days ago to say hello and realize that we have so much in common um, in our desire for what we want to do and what we want to achieve. So so thank you for the opportunity. Oh. It's, it's wonderful, and, and I know for a fact this will not be our last conversation. I hope not. <laughs> so thank you to our audience. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate that each and every time. And I would like to be sure and suggest that if you need help at any time, reach out. Even on the site, we have lots and lots of numbers. There is always someone that's ready to be helpful. So as I always say, make the very best of your today, every day. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.